back. Ira Jersey, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard to start us off was Jason. It may. But, but today, Jason, we have a very special guest with us. And when I say very special, wait until you hear the accolades. So it's Max the cat. I don't know what the, the, (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm kidding. So we are streaming this live on uh, Wednesday night. So apologies for doing this during a league one match, but uh, the hurricane affected, uh, affected my electricity. So we're we're day late in doing this. Uh, But with us today is Evan Conway. He's an attacker for union Omaha. Evan, Played in college at uh, uh, in Milwaukee for the Panthers, uh, where he scored 27 goals in 77 matches. Slight more. Um, yeah, only uh, yeah, only a few here and there. He played uh, last summer in uh, 2019 for USL League Two's Ventura County uh, for the Fusion, and he scored nine goals in 12 matches. So, uh, for those of you keeping score, that's one that's 75 percent of the matches he played in. He scored goals. Uh, and also keeping with that trend, he scored Omaha's inaugural goal during their inaugural home match, helping them to their inaugural win. Evan, thanks so much for coming on League One Fun. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I'm more proud of Evan or you, Ira. That was that was, <laughs> that was great. So, Evan, the way, the way that we do this is Jason starts with our first question. He and I will go back and forth, and uh, you know, we'll just hopefully have a nice little conversation here for a few minutes. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's start it off, man. I mean, the obvious question: How does it feel? Does it feel special to be the first? Right? Was that the thing that was talked in the locker room about who was going to be the first, and how does it feel to be that first? Of course, because um, I mean, our fans have been so supportive. And they watched us come to, they uh, watched our scrimmages. They watched our preseason matches, which were, I feel like, forever ago. And uh, we kind of, we, we struggled to score goals kind of in those matches. We were playing great team defense, but it was that breakthrough kind of goal that we were waiting for. And um, just to get it in a match where, where we knew that our opponent was good and, and that we were going to have to grind a win out was, was just great. And there, there's fire going off and in the background and everything. So they they did a really good job of making it exciting and and it was it was a great feeling, a weight off the shoulders. <laughs> so to, you know, so let's talk about that goal, I guess, because we we kind of have to. So um, yeah, you know, Elma subs in. He you know gave a little bit of spark and some energy in there. Yeah, um, he's actually my roommate, so. Oh, is it? Ooh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now we got a lot more right, questions. Now, now questions are oh. coming. You shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a big mistake. So I actually spoke with Elma last night. Uh, he was at the training facility. And um, so so I have some questions uh, about that relationship. But the uh, but but obviously Elma wins the ball at midfield, gets the ball out to Ethan on, on, the, on the side. You know, have you guys – how often and frequently have you guys practiced that kind of breakaway? You know, you, you win the ball high um, and then you just break on goal. You had a 3v3 going on. You know, what what's – in that scenario, like what's your job compared to, say, Elma's being uh, kind of the two strikers up top? Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, Ethan is one of those two strikers and he was way out on the on the sideline getting open, which is obviously part of his job. And, and we definitely do a lot of transition stuff in practice. But something like that just pretty much happens organically in the game. And uh, the ball that Ethan played was was perfect. And the run that Elma made was perfect to the near post. I think if Elma doesn't make that run, 
um, the goalie comes out and gets that ball probably. And the fact that Elma got so close to it had the goalie also like he was stuck in the mud kind of. So I was coming in on the back post and like perfectly set up by both of my teammates and, and it was just sitting there for me. So. And just a quick follow-up. Are you left-footed? Because that was a nice little left-foot redirect. Okay. I am left-footed. Now, I do want to ask, though. Now, when I watched it, Elma takes he takes a slide for it. I can't tell. And I've watched a replay. I zoomed in. So maybe you know. Does he? Because he didn't get the assist uh, on the stat sheet. Does he get a, a foot on that to redirect it a little bit? Yeah. And, it's, uh, it's funny that you bring that up. Because we were talking about the – that in the locker room today because when I watched it and rewatched it because obviously I don't I didn't really quite remember. Um, oh, you, you act like you like oh yeah like I didn't watch my goal twenty times of course not. <laughs> you can be babe man you're the first in this is your history. first professional right. goal right? Yeah, yeah, you can be yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean I mean how, how did, you know did you wind up getting well I have another question when but after you answer Jace. Um, yeah, well I I thought he touched it, but in the locker room today he. He told me that he didn't touch it, but but if it were up to me, I would give him the assist anyways. Oh yeah, he's too humble. He got the key pass, I guess, right? But or yeah. the the uh, we we don't have League One assists like they have MLS assists, right? Yeah. So he would definitely have gotten that one. Yeah. Um, so so you know you, you leave the you leave the field obviously you know elated to get the first team's win in front of your home crowd you you mentioned in our kind of pre-show that you were you know super excited like the energy was really high it felt like the stadium was pretty full so the you know parliament and the other supporters groups were doing uh you know a great job uh keeping the energy up but what's the first thing that you did like friends family you know i don't know if you have a girlfriend like what's the first thing that you do after you score your first professional goal where do you, where do you go to yeah, well, uh, my girlfriend, kind of all the girlfriends of the team had a nice little squad in the in the fan section uh, that we get tickets for. Uh, so that was the first thing I did. She got to be there uh, to see the goal, and she was she said she was screaming still 20 seconds after the goal. Um, so that was fun, uh, but I got back to my phone and just getting lots of love for everyone who's uh, been with me along the journey. You know, mine hasn't exactly been – um the same as everyone's which is totally normal that's just how it goes in soccer some people get bigger opportunities than other but um it's just it's cool to hear from a lot of people that um just have been there along the way yeah you said you you got all the girls in a group together so you know it's 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 obviously a competition in the locker room which i'm gonna ask you about in a second but you know you just had added pressure, right? Because now it's like, hey, she's like, you better score that first goal because I want bragging rights with all my girlfriends <laughs> the way you want yeah. it with all the players. Nah, but, I, need, I needed to score because to get my grandma bragging rights. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a grandma friend group, you know? Yeah. There's other uh, Facebook blast, you know? I was just about <laughs> to say, easily the most popular man on Facebook on Sunday, I imagine. Easily. Yep. Yeah. But you talked about, you know, how 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 full the crowd felt, even with the limited capacity. Tell us about the atmosphere. You know, what were your expectations and, and how far did it exceed that, those expectations? Yeah, well, I've definitely never played in, uh, I guess, the fans in combination with the new stadium and and the Jumbotron was working and everything. So it was the whole deal. Um, so it's definitely something new for me. And um, 
just ha- don't have that much experience playing in front of fans. But it's a good thing that our fans were – they were so behind us that it just made it so much easier to, to do those little runs, like six, seven yards or whatever, just a full sprint instead of a jog. And, uh, like, throughout the whole game, we, we heard them behind us and, and they were chanting. They were loving the yellow cards that the other team was getting. And, and you just love to hear that when, when they do something – when the other team does something bad to – one of our teammates and, our, and we hear our fans behind us that just that gives us more uh more energy to keep going and i think once we scored um there was no way we were gonna lose that game so like as a team we're just like all right this is we scored a goal this time so we're not gonna let it uh now we're not gonna concede so let's talk a little bit about your your path to professional soccer. So like I mentioned uh, when I introduced you, you played in college, obviously, um, and then you played for League Two. So talk about those experiences. And, um, you know, along with that, did you ha- had you always intended on trying to be pro? And, and when did you make that decision that you're going to try and become a professional? Yeah, so I did not always intend to be a pro. And it was really not something that was on my radar until – Maybe my junior year, a little bit of uh, college. And then uh, over that summer with Fusion uh, was a really good experience with me. Uh, Just through the people that I met, the coaches that I met over there, and how the club was run, just gelled really well with me. And and they were happy and kind of didn't know much about me when I was coming in. And so they were pleasantly surprised about that. And just treated me really well. And a lot of those guys were super encouraging and had some pro experience with a couple of the older guys and just gave me kind of the confidence to be like, yeah, like you have it, just you got to keep working, have a good college season. And um, hopefully everything works out and, and it did. So. so so, talk a little bit about the what your, your time in League Two. Like, did that help you? Like, was that something that you, you felt like or, or were informed that you should do in order to, um, to, to move up to the professional ranks? Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's part of, like, the college culture or it's becoming more of a part of the college culture to your, your last years or some, for some guys it's your – you start right away uh, going into League Two, but – it's definitely something that you see a lot of the top college players doing um, over the summer, as opposed to playing locally. Um, gives you a chance to kind of remove yourself from your uh, hometown, get away from people who maybe aren't like in the same boat as you as trying to go and play professional soccer and be surrounded by a lot of people who have the same goals as you and uh, are there to support you. And let's talk about the transition from League Two to League One. Now, what was that like for you to get to a team, right? Was it you you go to League Two, you play your season, and then was it one of those things to where you made this decision and you started looking for teams that were doing tryouts? I know that there was a combine involved with Omaha. So for people who don't know, you know, that venture that you took, you know, give us a little detail about how that happened. Yeah, so uh, after my summer, uh, I started kind of talking more to my college coaches, and and there there are a couple people from Aventura that I that I'm still in contact with, and um, were helping me, kind of advising me and and encouraging me to have a good season. And obviously, there's really nothing you can do d- 
during your college season because you can't have an agent or anything like that. Um, so it's kind of just play as well as you can. And after the season, you have a meeting with your coaches and maybe your agent if you had an agent right away, which I didn't. Um, but luckily, I had a good relationship with my college coaches and they had some good connections. And um, my assistant coach, Kyle, knew Jay Mims. So that's kind of how I got into the trial, which was like um, a weekend with 40 other college kids. Um, we did a little training session the first day and just kind of some stuff to loosen up because a lot of guys had flights and stuff that they were coming off. And then the second day was pretty much just playing 11 v 11. You had your team and you play against each other. And um, I was able to, to score some goals in that and play pretty well and caught Jay's attention. And uh, we had a little meeting afterwards and I did some social media stuff, which is kind of when I knew, like, uh, I think I'm, I, if they're taking videos of me, I, th I think I'm getting signed. <laughs> well, you know, you said you scored some goals and we actually asked for some questions and parliament wants to know how many goals did you score? Cause right now it sounds like an urban legend of you scoring a hundred goals in, in two days and no one's ever going to top that. Yeah. Well, how we did it was, it was like everyone plays like two forty fives, and they weren't back to back, but like the first 45 I scored two and then the second 45 I scored one but like before that we were doing um 8v8 things like just next to each other kind of and I think that's why they think because they were watching that too so and I scored a, a couple in that I don't remember how many scored in that but a just couple of that unfathomable amount you can't even count that high. It was just, it was <laughs> just... the last one that I scored in, in the full 11v11 was, was a nice goal from outside the box so I think that adds to the legend a little bit too. Got to count for two goals. So you're a Wisconsin native, and you are now playing against a team that seems to want to create a rivalry with Forward Madison, kind of your hometown League One team. Uh, you, you know, how do you feel about that relationship? And like, you know, will going home be really weird if you see folks with like Forward Madison kit on and stuff? What, what Ira is trying to say is, do you have the date circled where you are playing in Madison so that you can have your hat trick? I think that's the question he's trying to ask. Are you, do you have a little bit of, you have a little bad blood? Like, you know what? You know, they don't even want to look at me. Fine. I'm going to go and show them what they're missing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily bad blood yet. Um, there oh, were, don't tell the don't tell the parliament that. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm definitely a fan of uh, of rivalries, um, but I need some. I mean, you're right that I was a bit overlooked by them, so that's definitely part of it. But but part of it also is is showing out for the friends and the family and and uh, being able to score a couple goals in front of them. So, uh, so we'll see, hopefully, hopefully that game goes well for me, but, but there is a little, uh, I might've circled it. Might've circled it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I want to talk about the game a little bit. Um, so going back to it immediately, you guys came out and it was pressure, 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 pressure. And it rattled North Texas from the beginning. They looked like they never found their groove. Uh, they started resulting to 
to long balls over the top. And if you watch North Texas or know anything about North Texas, it's a bad sign when North Texas is starting to do long balls over the top because that's not the game that they play. So was that the tactics? Was was it something that you guys worked on? You talk, looked at game tape and you said, look, we need to go at them hard, go at them heavy, and just be relinquent with it. Because I was watching, I was like, there's no way they can keep this pace for the whole 90 minutes, and y'all did. It was just nonstop. Yeah, so, I mean, look, we, we knew – kind of what North Texas was, was going to try to do. And it's not a secret. I mean, like we talked about it as the team they did it in their last match. We know that they're good at that. Uh, but we also knew that they've never done it in Omaha on our field that we know in front of all our fans that are against them. And that counts a lot more than you think it is, than it, uh, or more than you think it does. Uh, so I definitely think that we were all as a team behind that plan and all believed in it working. And it, when you have your whole team pressuring exactly how they're supposed to pressure on that field, it's it's tough to play out. For the best team in the league, for the worst team in the league, it doesn't matter. It, it's going to be tough to play out. So we definitely that – that was definitely part of our game plan. So – Let's turn a little bit to the uh, kind of some off the field stuff. So your roommate is Elma. Elma told me last night that Ethan, who got the assist for your, your goal, um, apparently he's a pretty funny guy. Um, you know, what's the locker room dynamic like between you guys? And, you know, how how was that developed, you know, given it's the first year of the team? And, you know, a lot of you guys – you know, weren't in the locker room, quite frankly, until just a couple of weeks ago when you got started to get ready for the season. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I'm sure Coach uh, intended this to some degree, but it's, it seems to be one of those teams that just, it just really, a lot of us just gel really well, and there's really no one on the team that's that's causing problems or, or anything like that. And um, Ethan, to answer your question, is a, he is a funny guy. He's He's from New Jersey, and he's got the New Jersey attitude, and, and you gotta love that about someone. I don't oh know. Oh boy, here just, we go. Just, just so you know, we're gonna have, we're gonna have him on because he went to the Pennington School, which is right right down, and and the assistant coach that I hired for my League Two team, uh, coach was the assistant coach for him when he was in high school. So, okay. um, so I'm gonna get some dirt on him, and I'm, I'll let you and Elma know, and you guys can use that against him. <laughs> oh, well. That's that's great news. I, I mean, I've met a lot of people from the East Coast, so it's kind of a funny uh, little change of pace from the Midwest folk, you know. <laughs> Speaking of uh, of roommates, so Elma, I, I don't know if you saw, you probably didn't. Preseason, you know, went and uh, spit a hot sixteen on Twitter. Uh, so he seems to be into music. So the dynamic between y'all. If y'all have to be the DJ in the household, what is he playing and what are you playing? Hundred uh, percent. He's. De- I mean, music's definitely a, a huge thing for Elma, but but it's a huge thing for me as well. And um, so I really like uh, Elma's vibe of of his music, and and he knows he was joking around with me, uh, saying that I sound like a um, like a soul music singer last night when I was cooking because I was singing from. <laughs> Ultralight theme, one of Kanye's songs. Okay. So we go, we go back and forth, kind of with our, uh, with our music, and and definitely duke it out a little bit for that for the speaker, you know. 
So has Elma asked you to help him out for his next Shark Tank idea? So, you know, he he applied to Shark Tank. I don't know if you know that, not, uh, you know, a while ago. Yeah, so he he had a, an invention that he went to, you know, tried out, tried to be on Shark Tank to get it funded. And uh, it didn't work out for him. But, you know, make sure that, that you know, if he has any ideas that, you know, you make sure you sign a non-disclosure agreement and a partnership agreement so you can get some of the credit there when he comes up with that big idea that's going to make him really wealthy. For sure. I don't doubt that at all. Elmer's got more ambition than anyone I've ever met. And I, I would never doubt his ideas. So, Before we let you get out of here, you already have accomplished a lot in the first game, scoring the first goal in team history, scoring your first professional goal. What is next for your goal list and what is your expectations for the rest of the year? Um, it is a lot, but it also isn't a lot. It's, it's a lot because of the club and the situation and, and it being the first game. But um, I have plans this year to hopefully score a lot more than just one goal. And although this will be a, uh, a memorable one, uh, I hope that I can get a lot more and that our team can get a lot of wins. And we showed uh, on Saturday that we can be the best team in the league from last year. Um, and I think that gives us a lot, us, uh, a lot of confidence and that I don't know if anyone's going to stop us. This year. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, there we go. There we go. That's that's what we want to hear. That's and then, the spice uh, right there. The backup, because Parliament is already, has already called you a legend. And so I expect this is how legends talk. So they, wanted to, they asked a follow-up question. How does it feel to be an Omaha legend? Yeah. I, def- I I saw that and I said, whoa, not a legend yet. <laughs> a lot that has to be done before you get the legend status name. So, um, so just getting started, hopefully. Fair enough. Uh, so Evan Conway, Union Omaha striker and apparently budding legend for, uh, for Omaha the legend. Omaha soccer, uh, soccer faithful. <laughs> Thanks very much for coming on League One Fun. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, Evan. So Jason, um, that was that was great. Thanks very much to Evan for coming on uh, coming on the show. But we have uh, lots of other things to talk about, and I know you want to get to the the Philadelphia Union match in in half an hour. So let's I, buzz. I, do I, I every time this team comes close to to making me happy, they disappoint. So I'm oh, keeping the expectations very low. Well, that's okay. I uh, hey, I'm a Red Bull supporter. Uh, well, you shouldn't even have. <laughs> I, have 20, I have 25 <laughs> years of that. So, anyway, uh, let's see the uh, so Jason COVID update. Um, yeah. Um, so this is going to be interesting. Um, and if you guys haven't listened, I went on uh, Elliot. Uh, I've talked with Elliot on River City 93 podcast and broke a little bit of an exclusive. Um, but I just wanted to update on the situation going on in USL. So. Um, you know, we know there was a postponement between Fort Lauderdale and Richmond. Um, there wasn't a, really a lot of information as to why. And then there was a release saying that a staff member had it. So, uh, yes, that is 100% true. And as of the day before waking up, sources have told me that Fort Lauderdale woke up Friday morning ready to travel. And then everything was canceled because a staff member tested positive. Uh, And now it's unfortunately gotten worse because sources have told me now that Fort Lauderdale players have tested positive. Um, So I don't know if we're getting any kind of postponements for the upcoming weekend. I don't think we would, but that is the situation, right? And 
talking with owners and talking with staff members across the league, the big issue is not is not necessarily the safety protocols, but it's the components that you can't control outside of that, right? So the league has set up a minimum of you have to get tested once a week. Cool. Some teams have taken that and went above and beyond because they have the resources around them that they can do that, right? So you have some teams that can test every other day and get results back in 12 hours, right? So they can go to a game knowing whether or not all their players are good to go. Some teams it's taking five or maybe up to six days for them to get their results, right? So they're getting their results maybe the day before the game if they plan it right. But then also your test results only test you up until that day. So, and it takes three days if you contract COVID for it to turn up on a test result. So if you play on a Saturday and you test on Monday because you're trying to get it done before the game to make sure you can go, there's no guarantee that you're actually negative, right? There's a chance that you did you know, catch it on Saturday game and it just didn't show up in the test. So when you look at things like that, you look at what some teams are doing and taking two charter buses so that players can be with six feet apart from each other and, and doing the social distancing standards. It's a tough situation because there are teams that are going above and beyond to do what they can. There are teams who are not being as transparent, right? And we just see players missing from lineups. We don't know why. We don't know if it's an injury. We don't know if something's going on. And then we already know the league is just going to say, you know, once every week and a half, oh, by the way, there's some cases and try to bury that under the rug, right? So, you know, it, it's a tough situation. You know, owners are are trying to to do their best with the safety protocols, but it's one of those things to where they can't necessarily control everything. And I think the big part of it is when you look at staff and academy players, they're not under the same bubble that the players are, right? They go home to their families at night. We don't know and we can't control what they do at night. If they want to go to the beach and party with 30 people, there's nothing the team and the owners yeah, can do about it's, that. It's the degrees of separation, right? That that create yep. the issue. And but, so uh, I can let you know right now of three teams that got uh, that tested positive with their players, it was because it was a staff member or academy player that was the one that gave it to them. So that seems to be the big issue with this. Um, and, and it's unfortunate, right? And then when you look at travel, League One has to do so much traveling. It's the only league that has to do this kind of traveling. And so talking with owners and staff members again, you know, I, I asked, I was like, well, was there ever an intent to, to combine the seasons and to try to do just a regional tournament uh, between USL Championship and USL League One? And overwhelmingly, USL League One owners wanted to do it. They, they said, hey, we're 100% down. They voted for it. But then overwhelmingly on the other side, USL Championship, yeah, championship owners didn't want to did do not it. Want yeah, to I, heard the same. I, I heard the same thing. Yeah. So, and I don't know if that's because they felt it would dilute their reputation of play. If like a, if a top oh, oh, no. team was, a championship. I, it was because some championship teams didn't want to lose to league one teams. Right. I, I mean, that's a hundred percent. I'm sure if, what it was. If you're scared, um, go to church. Why, why, why are you afraid of, of Chattanooga Rebels? Why exactly. Like, like, Greenville? you know, minnows, minnows win sometimes. Like look at the U S open cup, right? Yeah. Like that's why you have cup games. And Step stuff. your game up. If you can't beat a USL league exactly. one team, like, so. you know, do a better job, do a better job with your roster building. Yeah. Um, so, so I just so, wanted to update everybody on that and let everyone Yeah, I'm know sure it'll be on. a regular weekly segment that we have is the COVID update. So yep. one way or the other with whatever information that we have. Um, so so I've been following this pretty closely, but there's uh, three teams now that have local TV stations that will be airing their games, mm -hmm. which is great, you know, given the fact that you can't have that many 
um, you know, you, you have very limited capacity in, in your stadiums for your home matches. People will still be able to get the games without having to be on ESPN Plus, although not that ESPN Plus is particularly expensive. Um, and anyone who has daughters under the age of 15 probably gets it anyway with their Disney Plus package. Um so anyway, the uh, but but the Richmond Forward and Greenville uh, all have TV deals with their local stations. I'm assuming that they're, they're basically just partnerships, and they're not getting paid for for these TV deals. So these aren't like you know right. uh, Major League Soccer or or like a league wide deal where um where, where there would be you know tons and tons of money or even the 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 ESPN Plus deal. Quite frankly, but, um, the, but it, it's a positive sign. Exactly, and and it could lead to more content and more free advertising for the team, right? Like if they have representative go down there, do some interviews, you know, a new station might go down there, see like, see the, the environment, the atmosphere, the, the level of competition and go, Oh, you know what? This is kind of cool. We should be putting more focus onto this. And then before you know it, now you're starting to generate more content. People who might've heard of the team, but didn't necessarily know about it. They see a segment during the news, like outside of the game. And all of a sudden, you know what? We should go. We've been stuck in the house. We were trying to get out. And now you're, you're building and getting a bigger brand within your own community. You know, the, the CBS affiliate in Richmond had a great part partnership with the kickers during the whole COVID crisis and actually, you know, talked about mask wearing and they, uh, you know, talked about social distancing and they had commercials and PSAs like public service announcements nice. about that with, with Richmond players. And they, um, uh, so, so, you know, I think, I think that's just an example of how there could be a very symbiotic relationship where, you know, you know, the, the station doesn't need to buy talent in order to do PSAs. Mm-hmm. They can just go and get the players yeah. from the soccer team who, yeah. You know, will be more than happy to you know rep the team while also doing some public good as well. So, um, hey, a loaned player to the CPL Jason. finally happened. Yeah, talk about it. Yeah, Tariq yeah. Muhammad. Tariq Muhammad, uh, first of I'm assuming would be I don't I guess we'll say many because it is a long time. But yes, Tariq Muhammad going to Edmonton. Um, and this is one of those things to where, I don't know if we end up being, uh, a CPL fans, uh, new favorite podcast that they want to get the scoop on some of the players they're getting. Um, but Tariq Muhammad, you know, throughout the season at times shown, he was one of the best, uh, at his position, one of the best overlapping defenders, uh, getting down the side. He offensively, he was a threat, um, the issue is, is the consistency, right? And so for every game that he had phenomenal play, created all these chances, it was goal-scoring opportunities, he would also be late in recovery. I think he had more, more yellow cards than anybody in the league. Um, and so Edmonton, I hope you got like a little piggy bank saved up for you guys to uh, to pay those fines. But you're getting a hardworking player and you're getting someone who's definitely a spark. Great. And... Um... So Tormenta and uh, is, is that the Averett Center for the Arts? I think yes, it is. yes, yeah. And in um, our in our classy segment, Ira, we're we're high class. This, this, now. this is our classy segment. So yes. so this was um, all over social media. You know, good on Tormenta. They had some of their players uh, create artwork that's being featured there at at the beautiful game exhibition. I think it's going to be auctioned off too for charity, if I'm yep. not mistaken, as well. Yep. So, you know, pr- pretty, pretty neat. Um, did, did, you know, some of the art, I'm, I'm not a huge art connoisseur. Oh, listen, I love it. Like uh, Marco, I love some of Marco's pieces. They're great. Like this is, and then you look at like the, the, the stroking of, of the work itself. And you look at what, uh, what Neil did, like Neil understands art. 
like these are players that yes they you know were bored and wanted to do something to COVID, but this is also something really cool where they can show off another talent they're already being balled up i've heard like half of them have already been wow. so yeah go to tormenta's twitter if you haven't and go check out the link to it there's some really nice pieces and i'm actually hoping that one of those pieces is still there for payday uh because i'm definitely gonna cop if i if, I, if someone else doesn't before me nice you see, I'm avoiding uh, telling you which one because I don't want I, someone to, to yeah. buy it and then be like, oh, I'll give it to you for $50 more. And then I got to well, go through that whole thing. DM me and maybe I'll get it for you for, uh, for your oh, birthday. Oh, thank you, Ira. <laughs> <laughs> if I can afford it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, Mark is a little expensive, I will say. Oh, that. He, okay. He's a little prima donna. I don't know if it's because, <laughs> of, you know, these overseas artists, they think they could just come here and run up the American market. But yeah, he's a little pricey. Fair enough. So, um, so, so you put in our, our show notes here about uh, power rankings. Yeah, uh, I, I, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of power rankings unless I make them. So, I, you know, but we we should talk about it a little bit. So we have Greenville number one, which you know it's hard to argue at the moment. Um, then Chattanooga Red Wolves number two, followed by Tormenta, and then Omaha. I mean. You know, you have some teams up there that are undefeated and, you know, Omaha beating North Texas. Uh, yeah, I don't, listen, I don't – you switch any of those three around. Like Greenville's number one for me, yes. You switch any yeah. of those three around to any position, maybe Tormenta, not two, but three or four, and then Omaha can be three, maybe even two. I'm not – I'm not mad at that, right? right. I'm not, it's everything below these top four that I'm getting yeah. mad about. Yeah, I mean, I would probably say that Omaha, given how they how they looked, should, should probably be up at least a spot. Um, Chattanooga probably down a spot kind of thing. Um, but then North Texas, five, after having lost to um, to Omaha. Now, granted, you know, Omaha played well, but, uh, you know, you know, given that you have other teams on here that, you know, are still undefeated, are you, are you not impressed by uh, our uh, Chattanooga beating Tucson or Ira? <laughs> well, yeah, but then Tucson's sixth on this. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, so you have you have Tucson, you have Tucson and Madison a, at six and seven. Now, granted, they were both one goal games, but no, still, no, I, I, no, I no, Tucson. I, listen, a lot of players I'm excited to see on that team grow. There ain't no way in anybody's hell that they should be at number six. There's just no way, right? You you barely win in a not against two men up against a nine team Fort Lauderdale team who was dominating before that, and that's right. their first year in this league. Nah, ain't no way, bro, bro. Ain't no yeah. way. Yeah. So anyway, we don't have to talk about that much more. Um, if, if, yeah. <laughs> forward madison should be uh should no be I, I think i think i think like and they and here's the thing yeah like i think i think madison is getting underrated in this and i think fort lauderdale is like i said it's tough to go up for them because they haven't won a game right they don't have any points but they've been the most surprising team to me i think give give them two more games and maybe not if they can actually get through playing with everybody uh, in one game, they're going to be scary. Yeah, they, they were entertaining and could be entertaining. So hopefully we'll see them this weekend and they won't be postponed again uh, because of, you know, COVID. Uh, so should we get into some match recaps, Jason? Let's do it. And we'll do it chronologically. Only three matches this weekend for us to review um, this week, I should say, for us to review. Firstly, in a new venue at CHI Memorial Stadium, which is not quite complete. It didn't look like uh, in, in many ways, but the Chattanooga Red Wolves persevered over 
FC Tucson, one nil goal by uh, by who else? Greg Hurst, right? Who else? To the Golden Boot, fifty uh, third minute. Uh, right back Ruiz gets the ball near the touchline, cuts it back, and makes a great left footed cross that's in, popped up into the air. It lands about the penalty spot. Tucson, a Tucson defender tried to head it clear, and it landed right at the feet of Hurst. Yeah, it's not a, not a good touch. header. <laughs> but his first, I mean, you have to give credit to Hurst though, because his first touch was pretty pretty good. Because you yeah. know, you, how many times have you seen a ball come in from very high over your head, and you wind up you know popping it up or it bounces a little bit? But he settles it first time, and then takes a right footed shot into the near post, and you know one nil to Chattanooga. You know that. What, what did you think about Chattanooga's play? you know, up to this point, because, you know, they had a lot of chances. They had 12 shots um, uh, before that, up to that point, they had eight or nine. So, you know, what, what did you think of Chattanooga's play prior to the goal? Yeah, I, I feel it's similar to last year. They're playing direct. It's going up there, trying to get some crosses in. It's not one of those things to where it's attack, 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 right? It's it's finding the right times to put the crosses in. Um, they they play like they always do. Pineda was sending in crosses. The difference is he wasn't finding you know the success that he normally does with them, so they had to change it. And that's where I think uh, Ruiz played a really, really good game. I was impressed by Ricky coming out of the back and really creating those chances that they weren't able to get uh, like they usually do. I think he was somebody who went up, but then after venturing up, still handled his business, you know, winning pretty much. I think he, he, he won half of his duels. He, you know, defensively got back and had three interceptions. It was like the higher up the field he was, the more impactful uh, Chattanooga was. Yeah, he, he and he took on he took people on one on one and as well as combined with people. So he wasn't a one trick pony by any right. stretch of imagination. So I'd say you know Ruiz is probably the unsung hero here. And you know you know even though he didn't get the assist for her goal, just as an example, um, you know he basically helped create that goal by getting the ball into such yeah. a dangerous area. Um, so then. It, you know, the other major action during the match was in the 68th minute where um, Oliveira makes a great bending pass with uh, with uh, um, with his left foot down the left touch line. Um, it was around 45 yards from goal. I mean, it was it was just an amazing ball with eyes, I would say. Um, <laughs> and it just bent right around uh, right around three defenders to an on running uh, Longton who had just or um, uh who had just come into the game, I think, right? The previous stoppage, if memory serves. like he, I think so. Yeah, like this might have been his first, well, almost touch of the ball. Yeah, because he stopped in like the 67th minute. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure it might have been. If it wasn't his first touch, it was like a second. Um, so he finds himself one-on-one with Mangles about to settle the ball, and Mangles just takes out his legs. Um <laughs> Penalty kick, Mangles gets a yellow, for, so it's not double jeopardy. And uh, and then there's a PK. Um, yeah. Jason, why don't you talk us through the PK, though? Because Cone steps up. He had he was a second-half substitute as well. Yep. Um, and takes the PK, and what happens? It's it's not a good one. And I, I, I try to come on here and promote players, but um, I will say, you know, you know, you can take a bad PK and if a keeper guesses wrong or if a keeper leans too early, you know, you can still luck up. But, you know, Mangles giveth and, and Mangles takes it away. <laughs> uh, so he uh, he did a good job getting low, getting to it and uh, saving the game for Chattanooga. 
Do you think that that Mangles knew that he was that that Cone was going to go to uh, to Mangles right or because I mean he obviously wasn't a great penalty and you know Mangles got down fine but if he had obviously dove the other way then you know it's still a goal. Yeah, I mean uh, I'm sure Mangles will tell you that right <laughs> like any yeah, goalkeeper. Like, oh I mean, yeah, I've, I've been resident. studying him since college. He always goes to the right, but. <laughs> But, uh, you know, regardless, that's what I'm saying. I think timing wise, it's good because when you do make a choice as a keeper and you say, you know what, I'm going to choose to go right. I'm going to choose to go left. Um, you know, if you do it too early, you're giving the opponent time that, you know what, let me change it. And I can hit this as slow as I want to, and just make sure I angle it. So the fact that he timed it to a way where we can't know for sure if he knew it was coming or if that's where he was guessing, that's, it's good goalkeeping. All right, and so another interesting fact from this match, there were 11 yellow cards. That's it. Ten of, ten of them <laughs> were from starters, including Mangles that you saw, um, and six of those were in the first half. You know, a lot of times you see a lot of yellows in the second half, you know, like people just, you know, trying to see out a game. They'll make a, a tactical foul or something like that. 11 yellow cards, that was a lot of yellow cards, Jason. Yeah, like, it really is. I Listen, I, I think that uh, – I think Chattanooga was up there last season. I think they fouled the most fouls of any team in the league. So this is nothing new for them to be a part of something like this. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, if you're willing to pay the fines, pay the fines, if that's what you're going to do to disrupt, you know, offenses building up, right? You look at like, I thought Shaq Adams looked really good. Um, and then at times, like, again, he was creating not necessarily chances, but at least offense to where, you know, things were opening up and it was uh, Alakon who was who was definitely creating chances in the first half. I think he was carrying Tucson. And so when you see that's going on, what do you do? You you put a put a foot into him and make sure that uh, yeah. it doesn't continue. Yeah, Tucson. I, I think Tucson's issue is is the same issue that they had last year is that they have moments of brilliance and then. I don't know if it's because they have to travel so much and they're always in un kind of unfamiliar territory, but um, I, I feel like they're always a little bit sluggish compared to some of their opponents. Well, you know? I also so I don't know if they know what what they okay. You know what you want to do for for an attack or for your for your scheme, but I don't think that they're executing it. I still don't know. Like we're two weeks in only, so granted, you know it's a short season, so it needs to be either next week or it has to be next week now, but I would like to know what their style of play is because right, right now I can't tell you what that is. Yeah, it's not exactly possession and it's also not exactly you know some kind of counterattack or or you know they they do have a little bit of a mid block in in their defensive scheme um, and and they do have some possession. I mean they 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 outpossessed. I mean it's hard to say right because against uh, obviously they played up for so long right um, against uh, Fort Lauderdale. But they they had a majority of possession in this game. You know, not that possession matters, right? It's the crap stat, as you like to say. But um, <laughs> but you know, they still had it. And um, eleven interceptions. You know, like that's not that's nothing to sneeze at. Right. So you know, like every other team, it's like they they do have some kind of of uh, of line of confrontation where they're going to press a little bit. And you know, last year they they really got most of their goals with speed into the wingers. I mean, they played a pretty direct game. Now it seems like they're not wanting to, but I agree with you. I'm not sure what they're trying to accomplish in most of their attack. Yeah, it's I you get the ball. Okay. Their defense is still oh yeah, solid. but but it's you get the ball. Like for instance, yeah, eleven interceptions and a good amount of them came in the midfield. So it's like you get the ball, but then what? 
right? Like we know if four gets the ball in the midfield, here comes those backs overlapping. Here comes the wingers interchanging into the middle. We don't know what Tucson's doing, right? And if you put someone like Charlie Dennis up top and you have that size up top, are you going to give him the ball, let him hold it up, and then let the overlapping midfielders come? I just don't know what that scheme is right now looking at them play. That's fair enough. So last question that I have for you on uh, um, on Chattanooga are they going to win or lose every game by one goal again? Like they yeah, did last? It, it's, it's actually, it's exactly what it's looking like. And like I said, they're back to fouling. They're back to depending on mangles, keeping them in the game. So uh, you can't, you can't teach an old dog, new tricks, apparently, no matter how new dog, how many new dogs you have in the lineup. It's just the, uh, that's what we look like. We're going to get, but it'll be interesting when, um when BD comes back, when Zai comes back and they have a couple more, subs yeah, and legs you, right i mean this i mean quite frankly this could have there could have been two or three goals in this match i mean they had they definitely had the better of the chances for sure you know they um uh like i said they had uh they had how many shots did they have they had 12 shots seven on target you know so um i was i was you know this wasn't the most exciting game i don't think i mean personally uh, there wasn't too too much exciting uh excitement this weekend like on on paper it looked like there was going to be a bunch of great games and i mean it wasn't like they were snooze fest that the omaha north texas game was great but it, you know once the game started playing you could tell in the first 20 minutes of each game how they were going to end yeah i i think so too yeah it, it, there wasn't any real surprises right like like a surprise might have been if they were they were all nil nil right, right. Or one of them was nil nil yep um if case in point though we have south georgia tormenta against ocb which by the way only had four yellow cards and they were all in the first half which mm. is interesting in and of itself um I, the way that I looked at this game, Jason, is it never really seemed in doubt. You know, I, I mean, OCB's goalkeeper, uh, uh, Aviza, he was good. I mean, he is going to be a good goalkeeper. Um, and, you know, he had seven saves. You know, I mean, other if it wasn't for him, quite frankly, you know, this could have been a 4-0, 5-0 goal. This could have been the OCB of old. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what, what were your thoughts generally? And we, you know, we'll talk about the goals in a second, but... Um, no, Tormenta was pressing and OCB yeah. dropped back and absorbed pressure and it just yeah, didn't work out. I, it, it, they didn't have a chance. And I, at first they came out pressing. You thought, okay, they're like, you know, they got a nice pep talk in the locker room and maybe they have a, a chance of pulling a quick goal early. And then all of a sudden now Tormenta has to chase the whole game. Um, but no, m- most of the game I felt Tormenta was comfortable. It just, it was when are they scoring that first goal, right? Not if they were going to. I, I agree. And do you know how many how many shots on target that OCB had? Uh, I'm going to assume zero because Pablo Hara did not have to do anything <laughs> the whole night. Like no saves, no clearances, no duels. My man, he was painting for his next uh, gallery <laughs> in the art exhibition. So I, uh, I yeah, it was it wasn't oh. great. And then. You talk about a team not knowing what their scheme is. I don't know what Orlando's doing. It was one of those things. Everyone was running around. It was fast-paced. And then, you know, Austin Amer, one of the only guys they had that came back last year, he's in the midfield, and he's playing twice as slow as everybody else. And it's looking like he's either trying to slow down the game to try to, you know, get get some momentum going. I don't know, but it was just – it was not a good look. And 
the difference of last year was you had the Tiago D'Souza's, you had the right. William Bagrus who can take something, right? You have a long ball, get it, be one-on-one and make something brilliant happen. This year, you're not getting that. And yeah, so, I mean, they, they scored, they scored some goals last year. Right. Um, you know, so, the, so the thing was, is, you know, it was in a way it was not completely dissimilar to Toronto too. It just Toronto two scored a lot more goals. Yeah. <laughs> right? So they wound up winning a lot more games. Yeah. Um, so let, let's go through the goals really quick, if we can. Uh, so in the 56th minute, uh, Neil Vignelles, uh gets a goal uh, assisted by uh, Stefan Mueller. Um, who Mueller, I, I thought, played incredible. He played really well. Yeah, yeah. He was he was my man of the match, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, so there was an attacking move down the left channel with OCB dropping off like they did the entire game. Uh, Mueller drops the ball back to Vignelles, who just bangs it from 20 yards out, and it hits the bottom of the crossbar. And Nothing you can do into the net it was an absolutely amazing shot um yeah not you know quite frankly i mean Mueller was lucky to get the assist i mean he passed yeah. the ball about three yards and <laughs> <laughs> to a wide open vignette but uh the 70th minute goal was a little bit more interesting oh, yeah. uh, so um and so Gomez, as joe points out to neil uh tormenta had tweeted that after he scores his second goal i thought that was pretty clever <laughs> uh, that was pretty yeah. clever <laughs> there you go two two nil uh uh, so uh, in the 70th minute, um, uh, Gomez actually had just subbed in. He had subbed in maybe, I don't know, a couple of minutes before. I don't remember when. Um, it was like the 65th minute probably subbed in. And Gomez wins the ball deep. He was actually like almost at the top of the D. And he uh, he turns around and no one from OCB pressures him. Nobody. And I had about two this- forwards that were right like within three or four yards. Had either of them pressured him when his back was to – when he was facing the goal, then, then Gomez would have had to you know pass backward to a center back or pass back to Hara – but no, they just kind of stood there watching, and uh, so so Gomez turns around. He sees uh, he sees Meyer on his horse, and um, just launches a ball into the right hand channel. And OCB uh, OCB started to drop back, but but they weren't actually marking anyone. I mean, no. they, they were it, just kind of running, and, and no one. You can, you can watch. You can watch right here because I I believe it's about to come up in a couple a couple seconds. But that space was so wide it's like i don't know if you watch football but it was like making a zone pass in the zone that the defenders were like were 10 yards apart like you could have had three people running into the box and you would have been able to pass it to all three of them because Orlando was just so spaced out and nobody was marking anybody and so yeah it's it's i you hope it gets better for for the sake of the competition in the league but yeah, it's it wasn't fun to watch that from from a from a soccer like you defense. Like there's just I mean, it's just everyone's chasing the ball in Orlando. Like no one is marking, everyone is just chasing the ball. There's no kind of structure, right? And so yeah, there's no there's no dis- there's no discipline in knowing, you know, what what your mission is. Like, you know, you're supposed to pressure and cover, right? That's the big thing that they always teach you in coaching courses. Yeah. And if you're if you're Look watching the on the screen, here's Meyer, he yeah. has tons of space. Look at the who- there's four people he in the passes. box and no one's around the ball. He passes the ball back. Uh, he cut, it cuts the ball back and it's on the ground. It's not even like a lofted ball or anything. Oh. And it's not even hit particularly hard. I mean, I mean, Niall Vignal's, um, you know, oh, shot is really nice. Beautiful. Is great. Yep. Um, uh, into the bottom left corner, but it's, uh, you know, it just shouldn't have happened in the first place because no. he should have been cut out. Um, so anyway, um, yeah. And I, I don't, I mean, 
I, do you have anything else to say about this game? I mean, I, I, I want to say at least one nice thing about Orlando. Um, I thought Quintero played. I already, well. I already did. Their goalkeeper is good. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to say I thought Quintero played well uh, in that first half. I thought that yeah. he showed some promise of a player uh, that can be like last year's Tiago D'Souza to where he's somebody that stands out consistently, even if they are a part of a bad team. Yeah. I mean, they were lucky it was two nil. I mean, you know, hopefully in the future they'll be able to keep it close and I, I'll, I'll look out for Cantero. I can't say that I noticed him that much in the first half, but yeah, you know, I was just trying to determine what they were trying to do. Right. Yeah. So, um, okay. So now for kind of the match of the week in a way, this was union Omaha's first, uh, home match ever as a franchise. It was their first match in Warner park and they scored their first goal. Um, as we discussed earlier with, uh, with Evan, um, there was one yellow for each team, by the way, in this one. So only two yellows. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, so who picked Omaha in the pick? Go ahead. Talk, 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 you, Ira. you deserve it. You deserve it. No, right. When no one else believed in the, in I mean, the sacred owl, you did. And we got, I could have understood. I could have understood someone picking a draw, but you know, you're thinking we're playing in a baseball stadium, you know, baseball stadiums tend to be a bit narrower. Now this is a FIFA regulation stadium. So this isn't Yankee stadium where NYCFC plays. That's, that's even narrower yeah. than this. So they, field. They, you know, yeah, exactly. We call it a postage postage stamp, uh, is what we call, uh, uh the Yankee stadium. But the, um, uh, but but so this field is regulation, but it is the minimum regulation size field. So okay. so it's rather small. So when you so the way that I had been thinking about this is okay. This is probably going to be a draw or Omaha. You know, in front of their home fans, will be up for it, um, and it'll be harder for North Texas to move uh, to move the ball just because of the size of the pitch. So um, so so you know, a draw would have been would have been okay but um you know i just had that's why i picked omaha quite frankly because i thought after seeing them against new england that they would be able to disrupt a lot of what new uh or texas did it, it does and they did um you know the, the north texas they aim as eric will will tell you their coach he wants them to pass 600 times make 600 passes per game um when they don't do that they tend not to win um yeah. So, and in this game, they only had 389 passes. So, yeah. And, you know, and like we were talking earlier, they were not North Texas passing, right? It was one of those things to where they'd have maybe three connecting passes, and all of a sudden they were under so much pressure, they just had to loop it over the top. And that's not how North Texas plays. And I think I think guys like you know some guys were getting really frustrated. So like I, I saw Ronaldo Damas a couple of times, hands on hips, like mm-hmm. you know, putting his hands out, like what are you doing? Like get me the ball. Um, you know, I mean, he obviously likes the score, but he needs those guys. Oh, there, um, there was definitely a time Alvarez was cursing out that team. Uh, when you watch at the end of that first half and throughout the whole game, you can see how emotional he was. Um, yeah, they they rattled North Texas, and it's one thing to beat. North Texas, but to rattle them is completely different. And like I said, every game I knew within the first 20 minutes and I was watching this and I was like, wow, Omaha's really going to win this game because they are relentless with their pressing and it's working. North Texas isn't able to adjust to this and they look rattled and you saw the shots coming and coming for Omaha and you were like, eventually one of these are going in. The only name I consistently heard from North Texas side in the first half was Zamudio 
And that's not a good sign when the only name I keep hearing is the goalkeeper. So, <laughs> right. so yeah, just to put some other numbers on this, um, you know, Omaha out- outshot North Texas 12 to six with uh, six on target compared to North Texas's two. Um, so the, you know, just to show you how much, uh, you know, to your point about uh, North Texas, just trying to play long balls, they had 18 clearances in this game. Crazy. I can't, Name a game last season where they had ever had 18 clearances. I don't even know if they had more than 10 in any game last year. Yeah, exactly. Because they always held on to the ball, right? They didn't just try and get the ball away. Now, part, some of those, a lot of those clearances, I think, were kind of in the second half where they did try and change their game plan a little bit. But I think they, you know, quite frankly, they're so drilled in one way of play that they look confused. And that confusion, I think, created in a way the goal, right? It gave Elma, um, you know, uh, just enough. Um, enough room to be able to win the ball in midfield when they were trying to move the play quickly instead of trying to just try to possess. And I think that that confusion may have actually led a little bit to the goal. Um, Do we, do we need to talk more about the goal? I mean, uh, other than, you know, Ethan Vandekort, Decker's, you know, great pass. And the fact that he's a comedian. Evan Evan gave us the, the play by play, the exclusive, we, we got it, but I will say that, Ethan, Ethan's a bad man. He he just caught like he causes so much, right? If he's not the one putting the ball on frame, he's the one setting up the play. He he's just dynamic in the attack, some so similar to what Morell is for Greenville, right? It's somebody who doesn't necessarily have a specific role on offense. Your role is to just cause havoc offensively, and that's what he does. Apparently he's very loud. So Elma told me last night when I asked him, I said, you know, you don't even like look up to to see where you're going to pass the ball. He's like, he's like, oh, I heard Ethan uh, <laughs> yelling. I, I, I heard Ethan yelling for the ball, so I just put it there. And <laughs> so, <laughs> perfect, you know, like that's what you want like to hear. And we um, we give uh we're giving the offense a lot of credit defensively. Omaha looks great as well, and you saw it in the first game. Continuously seen it in this game too. I thought Cruel uh, specifically played a massive game i thought he looked great he was right there to always kind of get in the way of not allowing north texas to build up anything whether it was from an interception or whether it was when they finally did get the ball past midfield um I, you know and that can be intimidating going against a team that passes so well so i thought he played an excellent game yeah I think, uh, yeah, I think Omaha has a lot to be very happy with here. Um, you know, they probably could have scored one or two more, um, yep. and, uh, for sure. So, uh, team of the week this week, uh, Akira, uh, Diaz, good. You know, we, we, I think both of them deserve it. Mueller, Fo- uh, Fola, uh, Vieter, Vignals, of course, was player of the week, not surprising with his brace and, uh, at, at the new, um, uh, let's see, Meyer, Walker. Uh, oh, Ethan, I, I missed this one, I guess. Um, Vandegor Decker, he made it. Uh, Conway, who, you know, obviously we just uh, talked to. And also Greg Hurst. And so golden boot race here. Uh, so I don't know. What do you... What do you any any early calls on who you would put money on for the golden boot at this point? I mean, we have yeah. candidates who are clearly in first, but you have a couple other guys who are, you know, could potentially put some goals away. Yeah, I mean, right now it, it looks like it would be hard to stop Jake Keegan. He's just in form, and if somebody is going to score for Greenville, it's going to be him. I believe he's also the PK taker, and that plays a big role into these Golden Boot races. And so, sixteen-game season. Yep. Yeah, yep. And so, yeah, I would just probably put my money on him right now just and we're only three games in right um and speaking of jake keegan and we can go over it quickly you know they did play 
Ford on Friday night. Um, and it was, I know it's a forgettable game because oh, it was no, drawless. I, I actually, I actually thought that that was, we reviewed that one last week. It was, uh, I think yeah. I might have fallen asleep. Yeah, but they it, did. It, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the, uh, the prettiest of games to watch, especially with these terrible ass lines that I have to stare at for Quidditch and lacrosse and all these <laughs> other made up sports. Yeah, that's um, the thing. You know, some people were, have, have, said about this game i actually thought this game happened on wednesday last week and i thought we reviewed it but the uh um you know the thing with the lines it's if it was only the american football lines it, and it was like yellow um you know yellow uh uh soccer lines i think it would be okay but it, it, like you said like it's the field hockey lines and lacrosse lines it's like yeah. you know you have all of these different lines together um it really does make it you know just a little bit off-putting to try and watch yeah, and I, I don't know what was yeah, it was just it was tough, especially mixing with the with the psychedelic jerseys. It, it was a it was a very tough way to watch. Um and I think for the players too, you know, you had uh you had Jake Keegan score a field goal. I think you had Buchik hit the field goal post. So I think they were just as confused as everybody else about what sport they were supposed to be playing. Um it, it was tough. But yeah. shout out to Shout out to the fans that went because they showed the distance and it's like it's an over hour drive to get there. So shout out to the Madison supporters who who made the drive out there. I go to a professional game, I drive over an hour. Well, so. I, well, I mean, you you that's, got that's Stockholm cool. syndrome. Nobody's asking you to do that. You just like painting yourself. <laughs> good, good, good on them. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't think that I didn't think that the forward line of Madison like did themselves you know any favors in this game like they didn't they didn't um you know the movement was not their typical overlapping movement that you talked about before right like they didn't interchange as much as i remember them in, in nope. previous um games so you know i think that they'll work that out i, I don't know if it was just like you know. see my thing is with vucic up top now it changes that Right. I think last year they played that style because they didn't have they didn't have a choice. Right. It was like, all right, we don't have a designated up top striker. So what we're going to have to do is take our wingers and our forwards and have them play wide and interchange in the middle. And it worked. Now, I think they're struggling trying to get him involved into that. Right. Like when he's coming back to get the ball, why is this man that's seven foot 14 coming back so far to get the ball? Put him up top and put a through put a long ball to him and let him hold up and let those wingers come. Um, I don't know. I'm just, I'm questioning. They, they missed Josie L Nunez, right? Because Josie L last year was that player that was kind of the middleman between Eric can separate the attack, start a new one and Josie L can lead it. Right. Eric can immediately go, where's Nunez, get him the ball. And Nunez can be the one to kind of pivot that offense. I thought JC Banks was going to be that this year, but JC is creative, so he wants to be up higher and kind of be that number 10. So I, I don't know necessarily what they're doing. I, I don't know if offensively it's working for them. It's just uh, I don't know why you go and you get Jamel Cox if you're not going to play him, right? I think that's an like the bring him off the bench in the 94th minute or whatever it was is wild to me. Um, but they got to try something new and they got to try it fast because it's a 16 game season. And so hearing from, you know, Kyle Carr and Elliot and people uh, that I talked to this week on podcast, they said that, you know, Connor Tobin had set up a players only meeting after the game. Um, and so, yeah, it's needed. It's a 16 game season, right? You got two more in your quarter way through the season. So they got to start coming up results now. 
and we think that this is their venue for the whole season too, right? Like, uh, unfortunately, I, so, so in a way, like, yeah, they had their fans, but in a way, it's also like an away game because they're yeah. not playing like at a at a pitch that they know really well that they practice on and play on all the time, right? So, yeah. it certainly, you know, that that certainly could be part of it. So they, they're going to have to do better in their away matches yeah. ultimately. And right? I, I thought Lewis Bennett looked. I, I think they were unfortunate with injuries in this game because in the first half, I, I thought they looked pretty good. You know, JC Banks. Had a good header on you know on target that could have went in had he had he set it up a little better. But I thought Lewis Bennett looked good and was creating chances. He gets hurt. I thought Josiah in the back filled in extremely well for uh, for Chrysler. Then he gets hurt, and so after that, it became one of those things to where it's like, all right, well now we're fighting to make sure that Greenville doesn't score, as opposed to having your foot on the pedal and putting the pressure on them. And you saw the differences in the half, right? There are so many more chances for Greenville in the second half. How do I miss forward in Greenville in in our show notes? I mean, it's it's okay. It was like I said, it it wasn't the prettiest of game from a playing style and aesthetically with this Quidditch field that we're looking at right now. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, so, shall we preview the matches, assuming that we're going to have um, all six of them? Uh, Let's so do there's it. One- there's one going on right now, Greenville versus South Georgia Tormenta. Um, it's going on as we speak. Don't don't spoil it for me. I don't want to hear any spoilers. Okay. Yeah, I have to chat. No, nothing, right? nothing big to spoil. That's all I'll okay. say. Uh, fair enough. Uh, Friday night uh, is at seven p.m. We have New England versus Orlando City B. Um, it, you know, be interesting to see New England again. You know, obviously playing at home once uh, one more time. Yeah. Uh, you know, two two teams that you know OCB didn't look that good this this week, but you know New England looked okay their yeah. first match out. So, um, you know, I would have to give the edge to New England in this one. Um, any any particular thoughts about this? I mean, you know, second game of the season, new coaches, new teams, basically. Get this win, New England. Get it now, right? Get your confidence up. Go ahead, put the goal in the back of the net. Get that relief off your chest before you have to hit the road. This is the time to do it. This is the soccer gods throwing you a, a softball. You better hit it out the park, right? You better go ahead, get that confidence going, and, and start this road trip with three points because you don't know how many you're going to take, you know, and – 16 games, every point matters. This is as weird to say it as your second game ever. This is a must-win game for y'all. <laughs> That's it's crazy to crazy to think. I mean, one of the one of the interesting things about New England that we've mentioned before is that they have these international um, attackers on their team, right? And so, you know, some of them I think might need some confidence, like, hey, let's bang in a goal or two, you know, yep. let's let's make sure that we get on the score sheet here and just uh, you know so so i agree with you i think for for them it's a must win ocb's traveling again um you know they just came off a travel week so yeah. um you know th- this is this is your chance just to kind of make a statement a little bit yep saturday 6:30 p.m. eastern time is the henny derby let's it do it richmond, richmond kickers versus forward madison oh you got the henny out oh yeah got the henny and I got the jersey going. Nice. We, we ready for it. We ready for it. We ready. There for you it. go. Um, however, for Richmond, uh, Akwe will be unavailable. Oh, don't it tell was, me that. What, it what was, in the world? It was an incident against the match in Greenville that was reviewed by the disciplinary committee of oh. USL, and he will be suspended for two matches. Why you got to come on here with bad news, Ira? Why can't we just have a podcast? We're all happy. That. 
positive vibes going towards America's best Derby. And here you want to come and, and spoil things, man. Just stating facts. So, you know, you know, the, the kickers have to not feel good about that, but yeah. you know, hopefully they'll be able to, you know, keep, you know, keep their back line stable. I mean, this, this was always one of their problems last year as well. So, um, you know, if memory serves, I think between, did they play each other three times or four times last season? I thought they only played each other three, right? It yeah, was, I don't even I know if they played each other. I don't even think they played each other that much. I think it was only twice or only once. Twice, okay. Yeah, I think uh, something had happened to where their game got canceled. I think they only played each other once. Okay, so they had. Uh, I think there was only one goal in uh, in those games. Yeah. <laughs> In those two games. So hopefully it's a little bit more high scoring and more interesting to watch. And it will be on CBS six because the kickers uh, have that new TV deal. And I I don't know if it'll be shown in in Madison, but I'm assuming it will be. Yeah. Um, I mean, they both got TV deals, right? This is the, the, the Henny TV Derby now. Yeah, there you go. That's perfect. Um, Henny really has to sponsor this. I mean, they, they really, they They, they need, they need to get on it. This is something that, uh, only increases the brand, right? Only increases yeah, exactly. their their drinking ship, at, or I don't know what the the word is for it. But yes, they definitely need to get on this. Yeah, um, and now so, they did they did play they did play all three times last year. They did play three times, and, and it was one zero every single game. Richmond yeah, won one, yeah. and then uh, Ford won the other two. Okay, there you go. I thought they played twice. One goal games, yeah. Um, you know who do you, who do you like in this match? I mean, I I I mean, forward didn't impress this week, but they're also away playing on a grass field without the Quidditch lines. Listen, um, I I put the draw on our pickums this week, and I might have to email Sophia now that you gave me that awkward <laughs> news and be like, hey, uh, can we change this? It's not posted yet, right? Because lock. Is yeah, that, is I, that- I I thought I was looking at a one-one draw this weekend. I think with Ford after that team meeting, knowing they need to put points on the board and that they got to turn it around now, I think with the injuries, you know, I I think coach shore is going to be willing to try things. Maybe Cox does get the start or at least subs in earlier. You know, I, I think that maybe Ford might pull this one out. And so we'll have to see. I just, that Aqua news, it, it's shaking me right now. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an immediate response. I need the, I need some time before I react. There there you go. Okay. Eight, uh, 8 PM, a little bit later. Like this is perfect timing. This is how all the games should be by yes. the way. Right. So it should be like six thirty, eight thirty, or six and eight, something like that. Um, so if if forward kicker if the the kicker's forward match is a uh, is a blowout you can change at eight o'clock to watch South Georgia Tormenta play Fort Lauderdale Club Day football. Um, so the two guys who got the double yellows in their first match at Fort Lauderdale will be serving their suspensions this match because the match against the kickers was postponed. Um, so so you won't have those two. Um, and uh, but otherwise, I mean, I have to give this to South Georgia, but. Fort Lauderdale could surprise. I mean, it would, you know, Fort Lauderdale putting putting one or two on the board would not completely surprise me. But the way Vignelles has been playing and Gomez, when he comes out there, I mean, I'm assuming maybe, um, you know, he'll, uh, you know, if he doesn't start, he'll come in as an impact sub like he did this past week. And, yeah. you know, those guys are super dangerous. Yeah. And, you know, an, another advantage for Fort Lauderdale is they haven't had to play, right? Their, their game was postponed. They're arrested. Tormenta another short turnaround for them. They're playing tonight. They have to go and play Saturday, but it's okay. They're fancy. They got five subs tonight. Okay. <laughs> so they're balling right now. They got a plethora of players. They don't I'm need to worry. Sure they had, I'm pretty people. sure they had six on the weekend. So okay, um, but, maybe, uh, it was, maybe it was only yeah. five. 
So, you know, that that plays a role, though. So, you know, and this is, I think, Tormenta has now played more games than anybody else in the league right now with the least amount of players on their roster available to play. So, you know, if there's one thing that Fort Lauderdale does, does have the advantage with, and we've seen how fast that they can turn around and attack and get down the field, especially within that midfield with uh, Blaine and guys like that. So, you know, there's, you never know. You could see a 1-1 draw. You could see Fort Lauderdale try to sneak in there and, and uh, steal some points. Yeah. And and uh, I don't know if you saw it today, and I should have brought this up under news, um, but I'll, I'll bring it up here now since I'm thinking about it. But you saw that the owners of uh, both Greenville and South Georgia Tormenta yes. have bets on the – uh, on on their respective seasons, so you know Darren Van Tassel and Joe uh, uh, Joe Irwin are, you know, kind of have some friendly wagers going on between in, the owners. in the most southern way possible too. I love it. It's, it's like it's it's beer, brisket, and like coffee on the line. Love it. If you're gonna bet, yes, I want I want brisket, I want liquor, beer. Those are what like if they can if they change the beer to whiskey, then I'm like I'm mandating that for every team from now on to do to do an owner bet off with some local whiskey and some local brisket as the prizes. There you go. And if you know they should add if if we wind up getting that team in Winston Salem, that's been uh, rumored. Um, you know that could be an interesting one too, right? Just add them to the mix, and then you have Georgia, North South Carolina, Carolina, North Carolina, Carolina, North Carolina barbecue is terrible. All right, I'm gonna just say that right oh, now. Oh, 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 oh! My brother, my brother lives in Charlotte. He based really- barbecue is atrocious. It's an abomination, and whoever started that, I hope is burning right now because that is it is it is terrible what you've done to this country with that. Hey, this is the League One barbecue uh, review <laughs> <Yeah>. show, <laughs> and it is now. <laughs> All right. Uh, the other game at 8 p.m., because, of course, we have to have two games to watch side by side, is uh, the, probably probably the game, actually, that I'm going to watch live because uh, I can't do the two-screen thing. I just I always miss something if I'm watching you know, one or the other. But it's North Texas versus Chattanooga. North Texas is back down in uh, Arlington, Texas. Uh, Chattanooga will be going. So Chattanooga, you know, if they learn anything from – the way that Omaha played, they'll uh, they'll press, but of course they won't. So I think that there'll be some goals in this game, and my guess is they'll be mostly by North Texas. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things too. North Texas is home, right? North Texas always seems to struggle a little bit on the road, and you know, especially with the apparently the smaller fields or baseball fields. But you know, now that they're own, and, and so uh, and Chattanooga, you know, they they opened up their stadium, got their win. Um, first, you know, then they played in Tormenta. So this is their first kind of further travel, you know, the away trip. And so, uh, they'll be tested, right? I don't think as of right now, the back line was a little tested against Tormenta, but because of Tormenta's lack of depth, you know, they had to play their striker as a right back, right? So they weren't going to get tested that much. So now you're going to get tested. So now comes the, you know, it's a blessing that they got those first two games under there to kind of get that communication and chemistry going because you're going to need it now going up against North Texas, who I'm sure if you looked at their emotions and kind of just looked at how depleted they looked after that Omaha game, I think that they're going to they're gonna come back hungry and, and wanting a win. I mean, I, I think, you know, it just shows you, not that Tormenta's attack is bad, but I'd say that, you know, North Texas is equally as dangerous as Tormenta. So I think that there'll be goals in this game. Um, I mean, I think there'll be goals in the other game at eight o'clock too, but um, I, I think this one is just a little bit more interesting and probably will matter more for who might be at the top of the yep. table or yep. the playoff. Right? Yeah, I would say that this is the first like separator of, of a possible playoff 
position. Yeah, I mean, if North Texas doesn't win, then you, you say, you know, your their path to the playoffs becomes pretty, I don't want to say dire, but it becomes more, much more difficult for yep. sure. Um, and then at 10.30, you are, we're out on the West Coast with FC Tucson versus Union Omaha. Union Omaha going to Tucson for the first time. Going to hear it for the dry air instead of the humid Midwestern air. Um, I don't know, actually, in this one. I mean, I like Union Omaha. I like the way that they played against North Texas. I like the press that they have. Um, Tucson played well at home. It's a long trip. Um, I could see this one being like a 1-1 or 2-2 draw. Yeah, I, I don't I don't hate that. I do think that Omaha, though, if they come in with the same energy that they came in with North Texas and they score early, I'll predict right now if Omaha can score within those first 25 minutes, the game's over. I don't I don't see Tucson chasing a game, right? I think in order for Tucson to get points out of this game, they're gonna have to kind of control it, right? They're gonna have to be one of those things to where and because with Omaha, they don't have to necessarily control it, they can quickly turn it around, right? So it's one of those things to where you want to put Omaha in a position to where they have to chase the game. Because when you look at what Omaha's done, even against that North Texas game, it's they dominated the game and they dominated it without possession, right? I think they only had like 38% possession or something like that, maybe 40 something. But the the idea is that you don't you, they don't want possession. They don't want to they they are gonna attack you. So if Tucson yeah. can control it, put a points up and make Omaha chase them then it's a different game. Right. So who whoever scores first wins is what you're trying to say. I, or, or, or draw. I, oh, I draw, draw at the work piece, yeah. Uh, shall we go to questions? So so Jose Martinez asks, any update on when Fort Lauderdale Club Day Football will play again? And, yeah. And so, what was I know this weekend? As I, as I know of right now, the game is happening. Um, the, the big question is who are the players that aren't going to be there? Um, and so if you, you know, obviously you got two that aren't there because they got red cards, but you know, uh, you might want to look at that roster and whoever is missing might give you a little hint about, uh, what's going on in the situation at Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Fair enough. Jason, anything else you want to talk about tonight? No, it's a it's a fun it's a fun slate of games this weekend. I'm gonna have yep. to be watching on Sunday. I'm sending off my little brother Aww. to college. You know, they congratulations. So fast, you know. Actually, going. I mean, every every school around here is uh, virtual. This you were in the south. They don't care. They they <laughs> they like. Oh, you got money? Cool. We just br- bring your ass on over here. Oh, here, here. Here they're saying. Uh, anyway, we we can talk about this uh, when we finish. Jason, where can people connect with you? At Home Sweet Soccer. And I can be found at Ira Jersey. And you can connect with the show on Twitter at League One Fun. That's at League, the number one fun. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of USL, MLS, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And thanks for Icarus FC for all your custom kit needs for your youth, adult, or club teams. Jason, Yes. until next week, hashtag support local soccer. Henny Darby, baby. Let's do it. <laughs>